Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It's three o'clock somewhere. Time for a My Mochi ice cream snack. My Mochi ice cream is cool, creamy scoops of premium ice cream wrapped in sweet, pillowy dough. And get this. All of My Mochi's fabulous flavors like strawberry, mango, double chocolate, and cookies and cream are only around 80 calories per piece. Talk about a guilt-free, indulgent experience. Each box of My Mochi ice cream has six perfectly portioned, gluten-free mochis that are great for grab-and-go. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Tonight, President Biden tours the devastation caused by catastrophic flooding in the Northeast, claiming his infrastructure plan will safeguard against future storms. The president consoles storm victims, promising to help communities rebuild, blaming climate change for the extreme weather. The threat is here. It's not going to get any better. Plus, breaking news out of Louisiana as the health department revokes licenses for seven nursing homes. It says failed to protect its residents. COVID milestone. The U.S. hits a staggering 40 million confirmed COVID cases as infections among children reach the highest levels yet. Women protest the new hardline Taliban government. Plus the FBI's $10 million reward for one of its top leaders. Exclusive interview. The Secretary of Homeland Security. Tonight, days before the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Are there any credible threats against America? Plus the terror attacks mastermind back in court. New details from Guantanamo Bay. Domestic abuse in the military, our two-year investigation, speaking with nearly 40 survivors. Why this woman says the military failed her. And a former flight attendant's personal journey to honor flight crews killed in the September 11th attacks. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. President Biden is bringing new focus to the devastating effects of climate change and the need for America to rebuild its decaying infrastructure. The president just wrapped up a visit to New York City and New Jersey where the aftermath of Hurricane Ida unleashed floods and tornadoes. The storm impacted more than 20 states and is now blamed for more than 70 deaths from the Gulf Coast to the Northeast. Among the deaths, nursing home residents and the 
breaking news tonight. The Louisiana Department of Health revoked the licenses of seven facilities. Now, extreme weather is hitting the U.S. with increased frequency and intensity. And here in Washington, two bills aimed at improving America's roads and bridges and its ability to recover from severe weather have stalled over partisan wrangling. CBS's Mola Lenghi is in Queens, New York tonight. Good evening, Mola. Well, good evening, Nora. Nearly every home in this Queens, New York neighborhood, and there are more than two dozen of them, took on at least six feet of water, one of the worst hit neighborhoods in Queens. Insurance claims are expected to top $50 billion in Ida's aftermath, all the property damaged in the storm. That's according to Moody's. Now, as you mentioned, President Biden touring the devastated areas here in New York, seeing the devastation firsthand and hearing from families who are pleading for help. Roads underwater, cars submerged, flash floods, filling basements, trapping and killing some unable to escape. The remnants of Hurricane Ida left a path of destruction across the Northeast last week. This Manville, New Jersey home was at once underwater and engulfed by flames. A charred stove is the only thing recognizable in the rubble. The outcry in the affected communities is the same. They need help. These are just empty hopes. Anita Menti has lived in Manville for 30 years through three devastating floods and countless empty promises. Every time we have been promised that we're going to have help, that something's going to happen to prevent uh, us from, uh, from being flooded, but nothing is being done. Today, President Biden visited hard-hit Elmhurst, Queens, and Manville, New Jersey, to offer reassurance to families and to see Ida's aftermath firsthand. And so, folks, we've got to listen to the scientists and the economists, and the national security experts, they all tell us this is code red. The nation and the world are in peril. That's not hyperbole. That is a fact. The president pointed to an infrastructure package he says will help safeguard against future storms. In this Queens, New York neighborhood, littered with furniture and debris, carrying her 10-month and 9-year-old cousins, 19-year-old Litsy Gutierrez and her family ran through waist-deep water to flee their apartment. When they came this way, right, the water was already by their hip. So we didn't have nothing to do anymore, you know. So it was like a foot or less to reach the, to reach the ceiling already in the water. It happens fast. Yeah, in a matter of minutes, seconds. Well, the governor of New York right now is in this neighborhood touring the damage, talking to families. One of the concerns she has heard and that we've heard throughout the day are families with young school-aged children who are about to start school under these conditions. Nora. Mola Lange, thank you so much. And we want to turn now to the coronavirus pandemic because we learned today that President Biden on Thursday will unveil a new six-point plan to fight the virus. This is the U.S. has hit a staggering milestone of more than 40 million confirmed coronavirus cases. Now, the number of Americans being treated in hospitals is more than triple what it was last September. CBS's David Begno goes in-depth tonight. Today, the American Academy of Pediatrics reported the most COVID cases among children since the pandemic started. More than 250,000 last week. That topped the 200,000 cases reported the week before. Texas hit a record for pediatric COVID patients over the weekend. Nearly 350 children hospitalized statewide. 
Unfortunately, here in the South, where we fail to implement mask mandates in addition to vaccine mandates, as schools started to open, we're now seeing a lot of uh, kids and teachers become infected with COVID. She's maxed out on these medications. Hospitals, particularly in southern states, are facing a crush of new adult COVID cases, too. COVID is kicking humanity's ass. Every time a COVID patient comes and checks in, it's like, damn it. Dr. Hassan Kakli works in the ER here at El Campo Memorial Hospital in Texas, about 70 miles southwest of Houston. So 20 patients in the hospital, only one does not have COVID. Wow. That's how it's been. Past three weeks. Dr. Kakli and his staff aren't just battling COVID. Uh Uh-huh, bye-bye. No, they don't have any beds. They're on the phone daily trying to find empty ICU beds for critically ill patients who they don't have the equipment or the specialists to treat here. Just get me on the phone with a radiologist. Dr. Cackley's persistence paid off, though. He was finally able to transfer a cancer patient to Houston. We're all relieved and happy that we finally got a patient out after four days. Like, that's where the bar is right now. Like, we got him out eventually. I just checked on that patient. Her daughter told us she has blood clots in her brain and in her heart tonight. Listen, here's the bottom line. Houston hospitals are full of COVID patients, and it's to the point where they're having to tell hospitals just one town over. I'm sorry, we can't accept your patient. We can't help you because we're full. Nora? Your reporting is always a wake-up call. David Begno, thank you. In Afghanistan, the Taliban announced that they had formed an acting government, which doesn't include any women and is made up of leaders with ties to the hardline leadership of the past. That includes a terrorist with a $10 million bounty on his head and connections to al-Qaeda. Taliban fighters fired weapons to disperse women protesting in Kabul today. Also in the capital city, a man painted a Taliban flag on the wall outside the former U.S. embassy. CBS News has learned there are now more than 46,000 Afghan refugees right here in the United States. And we're hearing from law enforcement sources that more than a dozen of them have shown up on terror watch lists. We asked the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security about the vetting process in an exclusive interview. We screen and vet individuals before they board a plane to the United States. An individual who does not satisfy our screening and vetting protocols is not admitted to the United States. Um, And if, in fact, we learn information subsequently, we place those individuals in removal proceedings so that they are set to leave the United States as swiftly as possible. So how many people have been removed from the United States for showing up on one of these lists? We're dealing with very, very few people that have given us any cause uh, for concern. The Taliban, when they took control, released thousands of prisoners, including members of ISIS and al-Qaeda. Can you guarantee that none of those prisoners are making their way into the United States. I can guarantee you that we are doing everything possible to make sure that they don't. And we have no evidence that they have. I want to ask about an intelligence bulletin um, that warned that terrorist organizations may seek to exploit the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, as well as the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Are there any credible threats against America? So um, right now, we don't have any credible specific threats against the United States of America. However, we are ever vigilant. 
The Department of Homeland Security, also in charge of FEMA, another big job. How is the agency dealing now with these natural disasters that are present for so many people? The key is prevention. No one's evacuation plans have the supplies as well as resilience. How are we equipping and empowering communities to be resilient when a natural disaster strikes? This is the effect of climate change that we're seeing. You know, as we are now just days away from the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you see so much of the intelligence. What lights are blinking red right now? We've seen the threat evolve from the foreign terrorists seeking to enter the United States to the individual here radicalized to violence by a foreign terrorist ideology to now what we consider the most serious terrorism-related threat on our homeland, which is the domestic violent extremists. So are you concerned about a domestic violent extremist doing something on 9-11 surrounding the anniversary? It is our job to be concerned every day, to be vigilant, to share information. So am I concerned? Yes, I'm concerned today. I'm concerned tomorrow, and I was concerned yesterday. That was our interview with the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. All right, 20 years after the September 11th attacks and the accused mastermind of the attacks and four other suspects still have not been convicted. Today, they were back in court at the U.S. Military Detention Center at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. CBS's Catherine Harridge was inside that pretrial hearing, sitting just feet from the defendants, and she joins us now. And Catherine, I mean, these men are charged with terrorism, hijacking, and nearly 3,000 counts of murder. Why were they smiling today? Well, Nora, the men are charged with war crimes, yet they were smiling and talking freely to each other. I was sitting in the gallery where thick reinforced glass separates us from the defendants. I was about 15 yards from Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the self-described architect of the attacks. Today, he looked much older, thinner. His beard is long and gray, tinted in orangey red on the sides. I was already out of the courtroom when he apparently waved to at least one of the reporters. The other four defendants were deeply engaged with their attorney throughout the process, Nora. I just keep thinking, I mean, these hearings for the mastermind and the other ones, have I mean, they've dragged on for years. Is there any end in sight for the 9-11 families? Nora, the hearing was cut short today because of a procedural issue with the judge. It's the latest in a long line of delays in this case. Most are connected to the men's detention before they arrived at Guantanamo Bay. After 9-11, they were captured and held in CIA secret prisons, where they were interrogated using tactics that critics called torture, including waterboarding and sleep deprivation. Some of these 9-11 family members have died never seeing justice, Nora, in their lifetime. Catherine Harridge at Guantanamo Bay. Thank you, Catherine. We're going to turn now to our two-year CBS News investigation into the problem of domestic violence in the military. Throughout the course of our reporting, we spoke with nearly 40 survivors who reported abuse and who told us the military failed to support and protect them. Tonight, we hear from one survivor who explains how the system for reporting these alleged crimes is broken. She says Air Force leaders, criminal investigators, and even the military's program created to help her all failed her. Effectively, I had the American dream for the last 20 years. When Emily Brerley was 24, she moved to the United States from England to continue her education. And in 2016, she began an intimate relationship with an Air Force officer. I consider myself very strong and put together person. And I thought, well, if somebody shouts at me or says something horrible, I'll stick up for myself. 
but you don't. You actually feel sorry for them. She says things only got worse. So when the physical abuse came, the strangulation, the beating, I was actually relieved. It's very scary, and you run. A commander became aware of the alleged abuse and reported it in 2018. Emily feels that report went nowhere. Last year, Emily again reported the continued violence to the Air Force. This time, she even wrote a letter to one of her partner's superiors. I gave him a list of all the evidence. I sent him photographs of my bruises. I sent him recordings. You wrote in that letter to the general that you feared for your life. Absolutely. I still do. Doing this interview is very dangerous. The Air Force's Office of Special Investigations looked into her allegations. Did the military take steps to keep you safe? They did not. No. They promoted him. Feeling stuck, Emily reached out to a local civilian resource for support. Do you think Emily's allegations were taken seriously by the military? No. No. Casey Simmons Munyene was a victim specialist for the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department for 15 years. Anyone that was worth their salt would know she was in danger. While the military investigation continued, Emily also sought help from the Pentagon's Family Advocacy Program, which was designed to help victims of domestic abuse. She asked Casey to attend a program meeting with her. How did the program employees respond to some of the allegations that Emily made? I think they ignored most of them. There was a lot of discussion about what the abuser did um, professionally and how good he was at it. There was more concern for his career and his status than for the victim. Casey says she was stunned by what she heard. They asked her, could she think back to favorable moments with the abuser? That's pretty much the worst thing you can ask someone who's experienced victimization. To remind them of the good times is not helpful. After three months, Air Force criminal investigators finished their report. Based on the findings, the commander decided to take no action. It was absolutely horrifying to see the lack of alignment with the evidence and the testimony I had given and what was stated in the report. It was a complete cover-up. What was missing? The third-party evidence um, of physical abuse and my testimony had been falsified. What did you think when you read that report? I realized that this was just another tactic to victimize me and blame me for the crimes that had been committed against me. Emily reached out to Air Force leaders and members of Congress about what she'd read. Without explanation, the Air Force reopened her case, appointing a new investigator who took into account all of Emily's evidence. She still hasn't been told the outcome of her case, but CBS News was able to obtain documents that show, instead of a court-martial, the alleged offender would receive verbal counseling. Do you feel like your allegations were taken seriously? Of course not. My allegations are not taken seriously. Nobody's allegations are taken seriously. Well, in response to our reporting, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin acknowledged in a lengthy written, written statement that you can read on our website that these crimes have potentially lethal consequences and that they endanger service members, their families, and America's readiness. He said the Pentagon isn't afraid to change what they do and how they prosecute and prevent these types of crimes. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, 
Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, Texas joins at least 18 other states that have enacted new voting restrictions since the 2020 election. Republican Governor Greg Abbott signed a measure into law earlier today. He said it combats voter fraud. Opponents claim it suppresses minority turnout. The law was driven in part by former President Donald Trump's baseless claims that the presidential election last year was stolen. And there was a daring rescue on a highway in San Diego County in California. Look at this. Cell phone video shows a group of brave people pulling two elderly people from this burning car. The two were taken to the hospital with burns while their rescuers are being hailed as heroes for saving their lives. Well, tonight, a retired flight attendant is on a mission to honor the flight crews killed in the September 11th attacks. Polly Veneto is walking more than 200 miles from Boston, where United Flight 175 took off from on the morning of the attacks to One World Trade Center. And he's pushing a beverage cart along his three-week journey. Polly actually knew some of the crew members who were killed, and he wanted to honor them. His trip is helping to raise money for the families of 9-11 victims. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, chilling memories of September 11th from Secret Service agents who were protecting President Bush and Vice President Cheney on the day the U.S. was attacked. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, you can set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.